Are we recording? We are recording. Welcome back to Studio COVID in Roseau, Minnesota. Kevin Broughton here, Levi Novacek. It is December 2nd. 2020 we're getting in there we're getting towards christmas Woo! i see you got a nice display of uh start, starting to work up a pretty nice selection of oh, clothing in the, in the store here absolutely you got the online store rock, rocking and rolling too or no yeah i think uh i think we're kind of up to date on all our stuff online as we print something new oh speaking of which stock I, it in the store we try to get it online right away i'm probably gonna probably gonna pull the trigger on a, uh, a hoodie of yours today oh <laughs> boy you know, i've been laying in bed thinking about it and pondering <laughs> the return on investment and that hoodie do you still have the the um i got the, the ones i was talking about at? yep black and blue that's my favorite how do you know your wife didn't already get it for you no she did not dude oh i don't know how do you know okay i better hold off then <laughs> <laughs> you can always have two you got to be really careful when you're uh when you're married in your shopping because <laughs> all of a sudden you come home and there's two new pickups in the driveway <laughs> jeez <laughs> Honey, I bought you a new Lexus with the big red bow on it. Oh, so did I, son of a bitch. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a surprise on Christmas Day? Oh, shit. Did you get the 0% financing? No, I paid cash. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> How'd you do that? I'm not telling you. <laughs> no, I... That would be that would be legit, but no, she she hasn't come in. But I'd imagine she she would for you because you came and were sniffing on that thing one day. But I do. I just hope you have my size left by the time she makes her way over here. She's pretty pokey, so pretty pokey. Yeah. Well, then you'll have to get a paddleboard. We're selling stand up paddleboards now and snowshoes and longboards and yeah, little snowshoes, aluminum Those, snowshoes. I want to try. I I used to snowshoe when I was a kid. Believe it or not, I uh, I went to Malung School, a little country school out here, and. Uh, I'm only 38. I know that sounds a little bit far-fetched. Sometimes it seems old. Sometimes it seems young, doesn't it? I, yeah, dude. I used to snow <clears throat> snowshoe to school along the creek line there. You know where my old house was? Yeah. Well, yeah, dude. I'd get up. Three quarters of a mile or I had something a little from mad, school. I had a little Mad Bomber hat I'd put on. I was probably so sixth grade, which is what, 11? Yeah, I can say something Yeah, like I would that. snowshoe yeah. along the whole creek line to school. The only thing I was missing was a gun. But even back then, <laughs> you couldn't bring guns to school. Because I'd be like rat. But I like being outside and using... Doing something like that. I had a little packed trail along the creek. It was about a mile and a quarter. Yeah. I had a little packed trail that I'd take. And it was just, I've always kind of been into challenges like that as a kid and then getting older. But, you know, I think, uh, I had the wood snowshoes, though, from... The from, wooden ones, yeah. yeah. That's, that, these aluminum ones are kind of neat. But, yeah, even my nostalgic ass ones, those old wood ones, like you were talking about that... North House Folk School, and that's yeah. so silly, but yeah, it'd be cool to go learn how to make your own snowshoes again. I think they do classes on them up here a little bit. Even like a, a folk school in Warroad does it, and, and there's a there's a company out of Warroad that makes like the best sleds and snowshoes, like what is dog it? sleds. It's called Northern Toboggan. Really? Mm-hmm. They sell like dog sleds and wooden sleds like all over up into like do they Alaska. also sell like, the, do they sell the dogs they <laughs> don't sell the dogs but yeah you race snowmobiles but first before that there was 500 mile what's that is the iditarod it's, the, it's called the iditarod, iditarod yeah 500 mile it's, dog sled race imagine that instead of snowmobiles your, yeah 600 super stoked super sport. fucking sport 600 extra, super sport super sport 
But yeah, that'd like be pretty Chris cool. Colin. So, yeah, I, uh, should I put him on as a guest on <laughs> <laughs> speakerphone? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No. Hey, yeah. Mike, you're on the air. Uh, <laughs> no. Levi can't even figure out to put his phone away during this shit. Oh, well, no. he's, he's got on, irons dude. in the fire. He's he's got. He's yeah, got business going I was just, on. I was just on a trip yesterday down to Rochester. Dude, the it's weather a good, down nice there. Drive, huh? Dude, the I weather bet. down there. Seven hours to Rochester? Yeah, it took me about seven the night before last I left. Stayed in a motel hotel down there in Oatana. The, the motel notel? Yeah. Um, Ooh. What and, happened there? Uh, nothing. Exactly. Nothing big. Um, <laughs> I went down there and did, did, did a little cleanup mo- job and... At the motel, no tell. Anyway, I took the roundabout way back. It was a beautiful day yesterday down there. So I just actually decided to just take my time coming back. I didn't go through the cities. I I always look at the map and I'm like, there's got to be a better way to get to Roseau from... You like, mean you carry a paper map? No, dude. Oh, man. No. I thought you were going to say I yes. Always, I go on Google. I used to. I go on Google Maps and I uh, I just look at the roads. I don't just put in my destination. I hate that because then that thing twists sideways and then you got to recenter and you're trying to drive. So and I like, essentially... You want to look as you're driving, but you don't want to grab your phone and fuck around and open the app and zoom in and zoom out well, and zoom in and zoom out. It's I crazy. I love a paper map. It's crazy with COVID. Uh the roads are a little less packed, like especially the two lanes, like 75. Oh, yeah. Uh, there, there was some pretty heavy traffic at like 5 o'clock last night um, just north of, I'd say, you know, I think it was New Prague or one of them. Wilmer. It was there, There's a lot of egg traffic over there still, like freaking. So you caught around the west side of the city. You started kinda, on the east and cut over to the I west. Did, I did. It was a nice day, and I didn't, I'm waiting for some parts and stuff back home here, and I had some phone calls to make with the with the company I work for, and... I just kind of took an extra hour or two to get home, and and uh, it was a nice day. It wasn't super windy out. I hate driving in the wind. It drives me nuts. Like when it's really windy out. Yeah, unless it's dead behind. Well, it's dangerous because yeah. there's semis and stuff on two lane. Yeah, it's dangerous, dude. Like, and that, but the only thing is, is there was a ton of slow drivers out yesterday. I don't know if all the COVID, the, the no traffic draws out all the slow drivers. Yeah. <laughs> People drive slower, slower during pandemics or what <laughs> you know they don't wanna i don't know why catch would that the, be catch the virus through their windshield so they slower down i don't know something <laughs> weird but anyway or so, maybe you were just heavy on the gas and you didn't even I wasn't realize really, you had I, your headset on you were chit-chatting no i wasn't no i wasn't i just got a speeding cruise. ticket uh i just got a speeding ticket i don't know where the hell was i even I couldn't say. I mean, if you're crossing the state. Oh, I was up in North Dakota. I was down by Fargo on my way to the airport to Denver. Yeah, but did you get it in North Dakota? Was it like twenty two dollars or something? Yeah, no, it was eighty bucks. But I um Oof. I was going I think it was seventy five was a speed limit and I he, I was going eighty four. I set this cruise at eighty four. Right at the edge. Yeah, and I was you surprised know? that he gave me the ticket. Yeah. Well you're still going nine over, but you think of it as four over because Yeah. 75 rounds up to 80 in your brain and mentally check out the 75 so 84 is fine wow i and, I, and then I, I i like to read the court report the rosa court report and i see a lot of these tickets from badge 108 i don't know if you know who badge 108 is no i don't know there's I well mean, anyways that's public information so i can talk about it but anyways yeah. badge 108 been writing tickets to people for 65 and a 60 oh yeah yeah so i i read that so you know so it kind of gets in my head like hey don't you just because you're 10 under you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean... No, I mean, I think you get 
six safe miles yeah, si- over. Yeah, like, you're right. If it's 55, you get 61. I and know, you can dude. be confident in that, I believe. Yeah. But 62, 63. Depends on how many beers you got in you. <laughs> Oh man! No, we're not. We're not getting into that. We're not. Uh, I stopped drinking and driving a long time ago. Yeah. I've got my Dewey probably thirteen years ago now. Everybody's got one, right? Oh I no, I never so. got one. Yeah, I did. Take you that back. Did I was on your way years, to yeah, the? I was eighteen years old. On yeah. your way to the shindig yeah. out in the woods. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> I got out of it though because I I got forced to join the Marine Corps. So. <laughs> <laughs> I got a four-year sentence. I got out of my ticket for my Dewey. I got a four-year sentence to the Marine Corps. I did. I did, dude. Seriously. They, they, well, that's back. what we talked about on the last one. Yeah. People being thankful to be in the Marine Corps. And you said, fuck, I was going down the wrong path anyway. Yeah. I just needed a little direction from the local police department. <laughs> police department. That Hey, this is like your best option now. You better go fill that empty head full of whatever you can. What do you so? What do we got on the agenda today? I see you're looking at some notes you got here. What do we got? Oh man, I was I don't know listening to podcasts yesterday as I was printing shirts and lots of stuff. Uh, one of one of them was on healthcare. Listening about healthcare and that's a big debate in this country right now. And healthcare and since Obamacare and uh, well the Affordable Care Act, aka Obamacare, and then people like that and don't like that. They want private health insurance i don't i don't know which is the best but i was trying to compare us to canada and because growing up here in Roseau, we're 10 miles from canada and you hear the stories of everybody in canada waiting on a gurney uh to get a heart transplant and they die in the hallway because it's <laughs> it's you- public or you know government-run health care and and you know they said that's not really the case i mean you can wait for quite a while if it's really a non-essential thing if it's a nose job or if it's a knee that you've you know has been bugging you for eight years and you finally decide i should go get my knee replaced you might get bumped it might take you eight ten months they said to to get that surgery scheduled but that is just because they put the higher priority surgeries and everything in front of you even if even if you were getting to the front of the line all of a sudden you know car crash or something those people get priority so i suppose it depends on what part of canada you live in too yeah they also said there's pros and cons like you know uh they talked to i don't know canadian health official about it and he said yeah the the u.s progresses faster their medicine does we're a little more stagnant because they have the private companies that are battling for medicines and and making new technologies with their For own market share you mean with their own money they're they're yeah they're trying to dominate so yeah. it's pushing it's pushing medicine faster yeah. than it does in canada but so i mean that, it's hard to find that happy medium um on what the government well what the taxpayers could pay for yeah and what um private companies could be incentivized to do um health is a tricky one man i mean it's a tricky one it's it's fucking expensive here, you know. It is unless unless you get below the line and you can get on the Obamacare, then it's not. I don't even. I don't know a whole hell of a lot about it. I'm in a, I'm in the union, you know. Yeah. So so, you- so I ever since um I've so I've been in the union since Bush was in office, right? Mm-hmm. Who replaced Bush? Obama, right? Yeah. Wait, so Clinton, I've been in the Bush, union. Bush, Obama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've been in the union in seven ninety eight since uh since 
Bush was in, and I, you know, Obama did this healthcare thing, and everybody was raising a bunch of hell about it. And I did a little bit of research on it, and essentially, you know, I don't know. So I started questioning everything I read, like the universal healthcare. Yeah. So what I understand is it's um, it's got more to do with the tax code, Obamacare does, than it does with actual healthcare. Um. I don't understand much about it. I, I, I don't. You know, I, I, I've looked into it a little bit the other day, and it looked like Clinton, Bill Clinton, back in the '90s, tried to push for you know more. I don't know, total universal, but more universal health care than Clinton did. Then Bush put a kibosh on it. Then Obama tried, and Trump put a kibosh on it. Now I think we'll have Biden. We'll try again, and it's um, just kind of funny. Obamacare's still a law, though. Yeah, yeah, it's Trump still in. didn't actually have it. Trump or the, the you know the sitting Congress didn't. Do, I I think that there's parts of it that all parties agree to, mm-hmm. but I think the I think the thing that like uh, libertarians or constitutionalists or guys like Trey Gowdy, do you know who he is? No, he he's a lawmaker from I think he's from either Kentucky or Virginia. I think he's from Virginia. Um, he's a huge proponent of, of libertarian li- liberate he's a libertarian yeah. essentially um so he wants a universal healthcare. well there there's a clause there's a deal in there not a clause but there's a there's a there's wording in the obamacare that kind of penalizes people for not having health care no it and, used, i mean it used to trump put a kibosh on that right so i i don't know i i really don't know if he did you know executive orders only get you so far I mean, I paid the fine for a couple of years. I didn't have health care. Yeah, I paid the fine for two years. How much it, was it? It builds up. I think it was like 400 the first year, 700 the second year. So does that if give you, you health care then? No, you're just paying a fine for not having it. It's incentive. And as your fine gets bigger well, so, every year, you're like, oh, damn, maybe I should just pay it. Because now I do have Obamacare. I, I never think- had health care for... So, I don't know, eight eight years because it was too expensive. And now ours, I think, costs $142 a month for our whole family. So I've just this week, I just scheduled my first physical since I was 18. I'm going next week to get poked and prodded. And I'm like, geez, you know I've got to take advantage physical, of this. This physical, is crazy. Physical suck. Like the anxiety leading up to them, especially when you get a little older. I don't even care. I want to go find out. <laughs> I hate when they... I, I don't like that, but when you get cleared by your doctor and he's like, yep, all your lab work's good. And I, you know, because there's, I do go f- a few years between physicals too. Yeah. I just hope I don't get a doctor with long fingers. Oh, you know, uh, dude, they... come on, man. What? <laughs> hope I get a little woman. God, it's so painful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what you're scared of. No, oh I don't God, know if they're dude. actually doing anything they will like do that to me. No, they check for polyps in your freaking rectum. Oh, really? Yeah. That's what I just signed up for. Oh shit! But it's you got to get it done, dude. Because I know there's, dude. If you can catch that stuff early. Eat some greasy food the night before. (laughs) God dang it! (laughs) (laughs) Oh man! Burly dude with long hair and a beard. (laughs) Come in and burp, and I'm ready, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Got your gloves. God dang it. Like, that's not what it's all about. I'm sure the doctor's like, this is a very small part of this physical. You say, how long can you have to wait to sign up again? <laughs> <laughs> I got this cheap health care now. <laughs> God, you're an idiot. <laughs> I could use this every week like the chiropractor. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah.
I'm ready to get checked again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think no. I got some new polyps. <laughs> I got some new polyps. I remember going as a kid for my first physical, and, you know, they make you turn your head and cough or whatever, and I had a cute nurse that is like a 13-year-old, and they got this cute nurse, and she does all the pre tests or whatever and then she's i was just like you and stuff i was just like oh geez man she's gonna ask me to pull my pants down she's gonna ask me to pull my pants down <laughs> she's like i'll be right you know the doctor will be right back and i was just like oh thanks and then yeah a dude came in and was like pull your pants down please like yeah oh let's shoot. see if i can find this thing yeah <laughs> 13 year old just like do i have to <laughs> yep so, um, on the health insurance stuff, you know, um, but okay. So what I want to get back to is you're saying the government could be out lots of money for somebody like me who for seven, eight years didn't have health insurance. And I would go, you know, given when I didn't have health insurance, I lived, made a few decisions to be a little less risky here and there throughout the year or my life. Um, just in case I couldn't, pay, cause I don't want to pay that out of pocket either. But now I'm getting help because my income was low enough or our family income was. So we're $140 something dollars a month for our family right now. Is that Minsure? Yep, that's yeah. Minsure. And, um, you know, just, that's going to, that $142 covers me now. So there's no out of pocket. So I don't know the give and take. Like that has to be much cheaper for the taxpayers to help me in the, in the, for, you know, before an accident happens than it is to pay for it after it happens. You're correct. It is. Um, it's a really, I think it's a really confusing subject. It's like you saying, I don't want to wear a mask. And if I get COVID, I'll just have to die. It's like, no, you don't. You still, they're still going to take you to the hospital. And yeah, you're talking about like almost like collateral damage it, on that. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like, they don't have, to I'm not going to take, take this precaution. I'm not going to take this precaution. And if something happens, Everybody else is going to have to cover my ass even more than if I were to just take the precaution. So, yeah, why don't we take steps in the first place to try try helping? And yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't the, know the how private much private versus universal healthcare. There I, must have to be a balance to keep some let's privatization back up. and some. Let's back up. Do you know what I think it all comes down to? Is essentially Americans. You know, we were trying to keep the free spirit of the American job. You know, the American worker. It's kind of like a free spirit, you know. The so, American dream. Kind of, yeah. So we don't, you know, we're already paying up to 30% in taxes. I, I think where the argument lies is not really if, I, I mean, me being a conservative, I don't not want health insurance for people, you know, in some way or fashion or form or other. I don't care if it's government or what it is. I think what the argument really is up at the at a capital level, like up in the... I think is more where, you know, I think they're more concerned. Or the, the big argument is why can't we take from some other public programs and, you know, as far as money to fund these. Yeah, but I don't think they should be the public programs. That's where we disagree. I think they should be the private programs where, yeah, you're doing, you're giving money to private corporations. Like I'm all for public works. Don't take from the public works. They're lacking already. Take from the private companies that are when, getting when say, bailouts. When you say you know public I mean? works, I just want to, you don't mean. I mean like any public program that 
can't afford to get cut, like <laughs> helping the homeless or food shelves or well, the, fu- the you know the funny thing about that is there's so many there's so many programs out there. That, I mean, you I don't even know the number that the government deals with annually, just a taxpayer dollars, and there's so many places we could cut a little bit and not, pull a little bit and or streamline some of these big. You know, ninety percent of well, probably eighty percent of the time when you look at legislature and some of these new tax laws and where they're supposed to appropriate some of these funds, a lot of it goes to the wrong people. Like you get these big housing you look at some of these democratic kind of operated cities, and you look at these lawmakers and it just it's just disturbing because they they write these you know, you get a, a representative from California, you know. You look at you look at um, their district, and it's just yep. terrible, because you know they're writing all these programs for funding for housing and stuff in their districts, and they're living in a castle because they're living off probably a little bit of taxpayer money and a little bit of well, however else politicians make. Yeah, money. I know I mean, what you're normal. talking about. You're so, talking about that. You have that one instance in California where that well, woman it's not just the one has a mansion in her district is ninety percent. African American, yep. and, and she hasn't and done a damn thing. To she help. lives in the hills, and they live in the I, in the no. And here's the thing, and, I'm not turning into this this into a Democrat. The Republicans do it too. Well, so I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know all the things that go along with running a district in L.A. You so know? I understand there's housing up here that gets paid for there, too for people, and and I know people that have grown up in it. And so right happen- away, people talk shit a little bit, but it's like so that's hap- a nice program. So what happens is these politicians get to know people who are associated with these programs, i.e., you know, the housing, the housing, um, economic development and housing. Mm-hmm. I, they know these people, and what they do is they get appropriated money for these people, and they essentially become czars. Well, a czar. You know what a czar is? No. This, czar this is like money, a ruler yeah, from Russia yeah, back in the day yeah. or something. So this money gets mishandled at a, with the government as well. So it's... it. Yeah, needs to be. Everybody needs to be accountable. So maybe like uh, the ta- <laughs> all the taxes that are taken into the government should be transparent. But at some point, they get handed to somebody at some level You're right. where they disappear. And so, I mean, even here. So what I was just talking about is like uh, nor- up up in northern northwest Minnesota. It's called Northwest Community Action. Is the that's a legit is the nonprofit that yeah handles you know. Uh, heating assistance in the winter for families, and uh, I believe they run probably help with the food shelf and housing assistance and things like that. If you need more insulation in your house, and it's gonna help the family that has the kids that's struggling, then they give it to you. But also, I've heard of the carpenters they hire up here. I heard and, of them too. <laughs> and, and you know, somebody goes to the. Say the carpenter gets paid forty or sixty thousand dollars to revamp this house out of the North Northwest Community Action Fund. The house gets done, guy gets paid. The next person goes to install something else at the house, and they're like, "Well, this is fucked up. This is fucked up. This isn't new. This isn't new either." You know, and all of a sudden that sixty grand's gone. Nobody checked on the carpenter. The money's fucking gone, and he's like, "Uh." I did it. And it's like, no, you didn't do any of the shit you were supposed to. You patched up a couple things. You took the money. So why is nobody calling him back or, 
them back or her back, yeah, whoever's it, working on it and being like, motherfucker, look at this. This is what we paid you for. And it is not done. It's and the like, money's gone. Now, now what? So they didn't, they didn't follow through on delegating authority. You know, they didn't follow through. Yeah, the money was no given. And, yeah, no follow through. And then, yeah, somebody thinks their house got remodeled and new insulation. And really, they just slapped some new paint on the old shit and or whatever. called it good. Yeah, yeah. did did a quarter yep. of the work and said, I did it all. And, so and then there's nobody to check on that. But that takes a whole nother, whole nother job. A whole nother person at that department or that organization and they're probably a struggling organization already i couldn't say it. i couldn't say they're who northwest community action yeah or maybe know. they have plenty of money right now from the government is funded you know giving them i i know they're a good they're a good uh they're a good outfit I yeah mean, absolutely i just mean that you know yeah there has to be a checks and balances we got to see where the money's going and that it's getting into the right hands but at some point you just got to trust a person to be a good person and do the right thing and that's when you get fucked yeah (laughs) you know somewhere along the line in any any appropriation a dollar whether it's a private company where money's getting spent whoever's writing that check you know um there's got to be some integrity to follow through on promises Mm -hmm. at one point in time it's just money trickling down until it gets changes hands from one party to the next and it's that it's that uh, execution, you know. Yeah, without a mental change in <laughs> of humans, I don't think you ever get away from it. But that is the human kind of condition, yeah. as we have an ego and kind of want to step on someone else's throat to get you what know, we want. I guess what we the want. Mighty yeah. dollar. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, I can uh, just screw one person over and kind of forget about it, and they won't probably really care and i don't care if i ever talk to him again anyway and it's like geez well that sucks people are like that but it's hard not to be life's not supposed to be like that you know no life is about uh also yeah go ahead i want to go back to canada versus the united states on healthcare. okay and i listened uh i listened to a gentleman talk his name was wendell potter and i think he used to be a lobbyist for uh pharmaceutical companies here in the united states something of the sort and he came out and he has apologized for it now and he's kind of a whistleblower but um he said he ran a smear campaign like literally against canadian health care in the u.s yeah throughout the 90s and so you know the canadians were happy with their health care but where you hear these stories of somebody lying in a gurney he said we did that he said it's funny how easy you can manipulate even your politicians, you know, and they came up, they got a clip of, you know, somebody in a hospital in Canada and on a gurney and then, you know, they put a little snippet underneath it on the commercial kind saying, like the COVID yeah, news saying like, morning. is this what you want? Kind of like the COVID news. Yeah. Is right? this what you want in your healthcare? And this is what Canada looks like. And they, you know, they made a couple other comments and he said it was, he said they ran the commercial and it was something that was organized between all the pharmaceutical companies and it all of a sudden just started to be a smear campaign against public health care and he said all of a sudden after a couple weeks of that thing airing he said you saw congressmen and politicians starting to pick up lines from it and they were using it in their and it was totally made up it was totally made up he goes it was just like we just took a couple little snippets of this and that. And once he put it out there for people to start talking about, and he goes, it was actually called 
a FUD campaign. They ran a FUD. It's fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And they're trying to put that in the American's mind. And he said it worked really easy. It, and he said one of the first things that he was uh, told to read and told to study as when he came into this job or so, something of the sort was a book. And I actually bought it. I'm going to wait for it to come on Amazon here. But it's called How to Lie with Statistics. And he said that was really like one of the first things that in the program he was running that they did. And he's like, you don't have to, you just don't tell them all the statistics. You use some of the statistics. You use the scary ones. And kind of like with COVID again. Yeah. Like, like anything, but they use it for all sorts of things. And he said, there's actually a name for it. It's called a FUD campaign. It's fear. It's putting fear, uncertainty and doubt in the minds of the people. And all of a sudden they just like herd mentality, you know, so that's the most crooked way you could go after something. And so, so he, I mean, he said now that he's come out and he said it was pretty funny, like even getting packets that he said they come in brown paper wrapped up and taped. And it was like a conglomerate from idea, like a from all the insurance companies, making sure that they were all on the same page when these campaigns would come out so literally just like a band of brothers in this with the insurance companies with the insurance companies and the pharmaceutical companies yeah the insurance companies for sure i mean i guess so maybe not he wasn't for the pharmaceuticals as he was as much for the insurance companies. i want to look at this as a whole the the argument here isn't really so uh, where we're at right now with health insurance in the United States is we essentially we have public health care. Mm-hmm. We do. We've got it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm on it. I think where we're at right now, and I think a lot of conservatives and even Donald Trump would agree, we're in an okay spot as far as health care. I think we are. Yeah. Uh, I mean, besides the pandemic. <laughs> okay. So, air quote pandemic. Okay. So, um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, so... The argument is, do we want government, once again, czars, to run our health system that we're supposed to trust? Or do we want private people to run our health system that we're supposed to trust? That's the argument. Because it's both, it's for profit, both, no matter which way you slice it. The government is going to get rich off of it if they control health care. They're going to make money. It's a money-making proposition. Are we going to vote to have our government run our health care? Or are we going to vote to have... Yeah, you know, That's maybe the margins for government would be so much less than the greedy privatization. But yeah, also the privatization drives it. So I think where we're at right drives now, technology. I think where we're at right now is an all right spot. I think we're in an okay spot because we've got the government is watching healthcare very closely. They're they're monetizing it. They're they're essentially auditing these companies constantly. They've got watchdogs on them all the time. Big Pharma, all these guys. Yeah, They're maybe, work- but just like this FUD campaign, you don't really know what's going on or what's being put out there. Like, these were national commercials, and it made the whole country think this way. We still think this way. We still say these same things from this guy's campaign in the early 90s about Canadian healthcare that he has put this idea out there, and it took. And so you don't know, just like you said with COVID, like, all this false information that you're spouting that's been in the news and you think you trust the news <laughs> for real because like, it's like all you, over and it's i mean people like when you say the picture of the guy in the gurney and shit yeah repeating it and repeating it and repeating it and so you 
fucking believe it after a while. And it doesn't matter how made up or how false or how one-sided. I mean, they might not even be false. They might just be the statistics that you don't want to see. And they don't tell you the good stuff. And well, so so I agree so with careful you. careful what you believe. And don't believe anything before you do a little of your own research and looking into it and i remember i remember when obama first got elected and i was working with a bunch of guys on the pipeline and quite a few conservatives and they really get irate about you know because because you know i would say pipeline welders probably make we're in the top probably 95 to 99 percent income of the country oh wow yeah i mean they make a lot of money yeah pipeline welders that go after it hard yeah you know, we're talking working 11, 12 months a year on the road, mm-hmm. kind of like a, uh, a rock band, you know. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on tour. Like, on, I'm going on tour yeah. welding pipes. Make like 300 grand and come home with about $5,000 in your yeah. pocket. <laughs> I never did that, but oh, I'm just no. saying there's some guys that got to borrow money just to get home after the job and they've been making four grand a week. <laughs> I've talked to people like that, and he said, hey, what do you make? And I said, this much. And he said, how much do you save in a year? And I said, well, hardly anything. And he said, yeah, I've been working on the road. I've been making 170 grand a year, and I don't save nothing either. Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's kind what of. What the hell? Yeah, what do they call that? It's, it's all relative. It's all, it's all relative, relative, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I, Especially I, if you got mama at home, you know, and you're on the road, and you're just pumping money back. I know, dude. Mama. Every time she looks in the account, there's like. Just big checks coming in? Yeah, well, yeah, not necessarily just you, but anybody in general like that. I have a handful of friends that did that and worked on the road. And What the hell? Yeah, what it's, the hell? It's all relative, though, dude. It's, <laughs> honestly, you. so you go home, and I, I, I went off the road and took a regular job, and and uh, I have just the same amount of money then or now as I did then. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. relative. I don't know how that works, but... Well, you used to have a pretty big camper. I had a big camper. <laughs> I was know. oozing. I kind of kind of fell right in the right in the pipeline rut right with in the, the rest of the boys. Rut. Yeah, was, Everybody leaves to go make a bunch of money, but they don't realize they're supposed to save it for yeah. when they come back. Yeah. And I, I'd say, you know, what a fucking idiot, you know, but at the same time, there's almost no stop in that lifestyle. No. Once you get out there... And you and you become part of that. Uh, what's oh, that? Jeez, I didn't even turn my ringer off today. Once you, once what you, a rookie. Once you start that lifestyle and you become part of that, that uh, I don't know what that. I guess it's kind of like a cult. Yeah, band no, of I'm brothers. Not a cult. It's culture. It's yeah, a culture. There you go. That's Sorry. you were. You didn't finish the word. Yeah, I know. It's it, cult- once you become part sure. of that road warrior culture. You know, <laughs> road warrior it is living yeah. out of campers and yeah. man camps and making big money. You know, the big sacrifice is really your family. That's that's who sacrifices. Yeah, but them strippers up in Williston, they aren't <laughs> sacrificing. They're making bank. I never, I never really worked in North Dakota. Luckily, I oh. never did. No, that's good. And that yeah. seemed like a big mess. The super oil boom. And I went out there, like, dude. They said, "Oh man, strippers are making three figures in Williston." I thought I might go be a stripper. Um, so, so I, the one time I went out to North Dakota, it was I think in 2013, right in the heat of the boom. It was right actually right before it kind of imploded on itself. And um, I went out there. I, w- I got I got a call to go out there, and they were like, okay, well, they need people so bad. They're like, we have a man camp. I'm thinking, holy shit, a man camp. 
what a shit, you know, I, this is I don't want to do that. Yeah. Well, then they're like, no, they're brand new. They're double wides. And they're, I lived in like this huge man camp city. And they're like, they're, they're paid for all your food, your lodging, your laundry, everything. And I'm a union tradesman too. So we're getting our union wages plus an extra hour a day. Um, so I'm like, holy shit. This is a little bit too good to be true, you know. Yeah. Well, I got out there and it was true. We, they treated us very well. But I'll tell you, the day before I left, I heard on the news guy gets shot in a man camp out in Williston and I'm like holy shit well here there was a guy that worked for another <laughs> pipeline contractor actually guys out of my union they were drinking carrying on like they do across the road they were allowed to drink in their man camp and they were allowed they, it was a lot more free spirit like some had, of them were no alcohol and I, like ours was no alcohol um no alcohol no obviously no narcotics no, no narcotics alcohol. no congregating in the parking lots nothing yeah it was like a work camp yeah get in your house yeah um sleep the one across the road, they just had pulled in a bunch of 1978 uh, Jayco J-Queens. That was the one where that happened, you know. Jayco J-Queens. Yeah, you know, and uh, <laughs> they were all like, they were have, having to buy their own food. So they had grills set up and mm -hmm. stuff. And, and so that's what happened was they were boozing and, and a guy got shot and killed, shot in the back. and Wild, wild west. Yeah, it was, it was fucking stupid, to be honest with you. I, I, I don't know why those guys... They're all working on the road away from their families together. Yeah, you don't know. You got egos. Whatever. and Yeah, I mean, welders must have a handful of issues. There must be a lot of military folks that turn into union pipeline guys yeah, that there got is. some P PTSD. Also, and, uh, it seems like it, it seems like the pipeline life attracts the downtrodden, you know, kind of. Kind of like a concrete industry yeah. I was in. I mean, we'd love to hire somebody that was on work release from jail because we knew that he'd be there yeah, every I day. Know. <laughs> and, and same with the pipeline, too. You meet a lot. Of, well, then they fall into their old ways and stuff goes south. You know how that works. I mean, yeah. just... All of a sudden, you get to pocket full of money, pocket full of money, jacked up truck, three guns, and yep, yeah, new, you're a hundred percent right. That's new how it goes. camper, and yeah, not a great thing. And big, an ego, big egos, <laughs> big egos, pockets full of money. Everybody thinks they're a gangster baller now. Yep, jacked up, big jacked twenty up. inch American Force rims. Yeah, or whatever American racing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so. That was, you know, I went out there and the job went really good, actually. Like, it was safe in that man camp. I felt safe. We had our own rooms. My helper was staying next to me. Had 85 channels of TV. There was one instance where I, we, what we started to do, I was drinking back then. So what we would do, I can talk about this now because I'm yeah. dead sober, but we were breaking <laughs> yeah. some laws anyway. Yeah. But what we would do is we'd get off work. We worked like 14 hours a day out there. Yeah. You're and we there were, to work. We were tying in all those wells. We were actually, so they didn't have to truck. Oh, and connecting well. Yeah, and then we were also, well. you know, the flares out there I was talking about? Yep. We were tying in all the gas lines. See, they got to run plastic because that stuff's so corrosive. They got to run plastic. It actually is less corrosive than steel. So we were running plastic steel. The like, crude oil coming up yeah, out of it? Yeah, uh, it'd be the gas. Oh, so the plastic. Gas, yeah. The gas was going through the plastic, and the, uh, the oil was going through the smaller steel lines. They were like 4-inch, 6-inch, and 10-inch. Uh, and then we were running like 24-inch poly lines. So there's just a spider web of yep. pipes and infrastructure yeah. across there. Like, I think in one ditch, we were at one time, we were laying five or six lines. Jesus, for different companies or just to no, keep up? No, one company. And so we would, uh, I was on a tie-in crew, so with all the stuff would be already laid in the ditch and backfilled, and they just have the bell holes open on all the tie-in points. Yep. And then I go in and have to crawl in through there, and, and we do, and, my, and there's a UA hand, a 798, Pipeliner. You crawl inside a little, little in, in the little. Exca excavation. Okay. And then so um, we were actually in charge of the fusing as well for the plastic. So I learned a lot there. 
And then uh, what we would do is we'd work our asses off. We'd work right through lunch all day, and then we'd uh, we'd always go buy a twelve pack of beer. Me and uh, my helper. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> anyway, his name's Kyle. Um, so anyway, his name was Kyle. He's a welder now. He's doing well. He's doing great. Yeah. Anyway, he, he, um, he changed his name. Yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> anyway, we'd go buy a twelve pack of beer, and we'd usually go drive around, out by the man camp. Yeah. Just these. Literally nobody out there. No. We'd go cruise around and drink our beers, and then we'd go back, and they'd have chow for us. And Look the at the oil fires burning yeah, on yeah, the countryside talk, and have a couple talk, beers. And we'd and talk about being back home and talk about farming and stuff. And then we'd uh, we'd always just come back to the man camp. And one night I came in, and I was half jagged up. Probably had six beers in me or something, yep. you know. I came in, and it, it, we had worked late. So, we, you know, of course, anytime you work late, then you're, you're, you're still going to go and drive around and drink your beers. Well, then you just get, well, it, they closed the chow, I think, at 9 o'clock. So it was like 9.30 when I got in. And I'm fucking starving. I was starving, but they always had, <laughs> they always, you could call in. You oh, could call the chow. Call your order and tell them we're coming back. Well, is anything ready? Can you call, warm something I'd call up? like 8.30 and say, hey, this is so-and-so. Uh, we, can you put two meals aside? And they'd put them in a heater. Like a, just That's a warmer. That's pretty cool, yeah. In a, in a, in a one of yeah, them. just a little plastic yep. container and put it yeah. under the lights so we for ta- you. So we knew we, we, we only were two beers into our 12-pack, so we we knew we weren't going to make her back. So we call it. Well, anyway, I go in the chow hall, and here's this dude in there, freaking just blasted drunk. Yeah. Right? And uh, I'm going to pick my chow up. He's got freaking porno just blaring on, on this phone. huge big screen TV. <laughs> Don't, I didn't even ask any questions. The there was no negotiating with this guy. I didn't even ask any questions. I just looked at him and I'm like, "Holy shit! <laughs> what is just, going on?" I got in the here. fuck out. Grabbed my meal and sat down. <laughs> he was just sitting because he had like a hangout, like a lounge area, yeah. in this chow hall, and he had this shit going. I mean, this TV this is an 80 inch TV, you know, and there's por- just major porn blasting, and I'm just like. Oh my God, dude! Like this is supposed to, this is supposed to be the good man camp. This you is know? the good side over yeah. here. Go over with the Jayco's on the north side of the road. Yeah, dude, and they I, got a big outdoor theater you can play it on, and I'll watch it together. Oh man, I yeah. got a funny oh, story for you. So, watching porn in public, <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> I've done it. No, we were young. I had a book. And we didn't make it. I think I was 17 years old, maybe. It must have been 18 years old because we were able to rent, you know, our own room at a hotel. And we were going to go down and watch the Minnesota State Boys Hockey Tournament. Me and a couple of buddies. And we got a hotel down by St. Paul and Egan with a couple friends. And we checked in and I had one buddy from South Dakota. And he's, he said, hey, do you ever know this fact, this weird fact about hotel rooms? Like... If you lift up and look in between the mattresses, he told me, there's like 70% of hotel rooms have something hidden between them. I remember that. Like porn or... I I actually did it a couple times and I found a fucking needle one time. No, you... you. Yeah, like a syringe and I'm like... Like at a young age? At like 18 and then, you know, so after this first incident, we did. We looked, literally, we checked into our hotel room in Egan, Minnesota, flip up the mattress and there's a vhs porn and we're like no you know we're kids still just like no way i thought my buddy booby trapped the room because he told us this right before we checked in but there's no way he could ever got into the (laughs) hotel room to hide this like mid-90s that's a pretty elaborate (laughs) yeah yeah this mid-90s porn so like we ended up just laughing about it but we didn't do anything we didn't throw it away or whatever and i think we went to the hockey games that night we came back 
late night to the hotel room and there was nobody really around and we we're like yo went down to the guy at the front desk said is there a uh vhs no you did yeah, not player in here and he said no well there's one in the lounge right there like where the continental breakfast is and whatever and he goes yeah i don't care and so we went and popped this thing in and we just like had a laugh but the hotel manager or whatever whoever was he there yeah he was like 50 feet away from us at the front desk and was it any good i don't remember it was called oh i know what it was called it was called the perfect sperm should probably look it up. That's probably from 1988 or Dude, something. Dude, the guy should have kept it. It's probably worth money now. Who knows? Yeah, I would have had you sign it if I still had it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. That. But that is crazy. I mean, I, and so for, for years after that, as we would go to hotels, I think maybe once or twice more, I found a couple magazines. And once I found a syringe. But note to anybody out there, you know, if you check into a hotel, hotel for sure – if it's a Super 8 or, you know, um, whatever kind of motel, no-tell you're staying at, like Levi, lift up that mattress and look in between them. You might I just, yeah. find something nasty. I just stayed in a hotel uh, in Owatonna <laughs> by the Cabela's there the other night. You know, you know, I, I felt kind of old. You, well, know you are kind of old, you know, well, I, depending on who we're talking I, about. I, uh... So when my when Reese was just uh, three months old, I just told her I called her last night to let her know that. So the hotel, I remember going down to a pipeline job, and Teal was uh, with me, and she wanted to come down there. We were I was working down there, kind of by Owatonna, Southern Minnesota. Yep. And I was staying in pretty decent motels, especially when the wife would come with. Yeah. You'd- I, I would for a sweet yeah well i would usually spend back then it would be like 80 bucks yeah you know which for a decent hotel i say back then it was so reese's 11 so 10 over 10 years ago 80 bucks and it a room was, will get you a pretty decent room yeah american and i remember something. well i remember staying at this brand new hotel in Owatonna, and i stayed there like a year two years ago and it, it really went downhill <laughs> I, I you know i looked for you know i kind of because i i kind of get to know the I kind of get to know the area. Who's that? My wife and oh, son. I kind of get... He's cute. Um, yeah, absolutely. Cute Looks like his dad. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> I kind of get to know the area. Anyways, I, I, I was like, well, I'm going to stay there again and see if they... Because it was kind of a shithole. If they renovated it well, or yeah, something. Well, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. Like, it looked like it was mismanaged. Like, there was... Absolutely. So... I think there's plenty of them. Like, so, the hotel I stayed at was probably yeah. mismanaged when the guy I went there. I went there porn. this time, and here the fucker's closed. Like, with lights off, shut down completely. And I'm like, oh, I must be getting old or something because, like, I just watched the life of a hotel, like, from start to finish. Like, I stayed there <laughs> yeah. with Reese when she was brand new, and, and now it's closed. No. So, like, I'm you know, feeling old. Yeah, dude, like. I think you can find that lots of places, you know. My, so I went to school in Saint, Minneapolis, St. Paul, not the University of Minnesota, but I spent a lot of time around there, and. I remember going down there as a kid, even bringing my sisters there with my parents. Uh, my older sister went there, and my dad telling me the stories of, you know, this was here when I was he- going to college, and this was here, and that's my old apartment, and he couldn't believe how it changed. And and now I, I'm 10 years out of it, and I've been back down there like once in the last couple of years to the University of Minnesota, and it has yeah. flipped. In, I mean, in 10 years since I, I was running around there quite a bit, it is. I, I mean, I, 
I recognize most of the stuff, but it's like, holy crap, this whole block has been redeveloped, and this is, and yeah. there's a new light Dude. rail that cuts through the university. And what you want to know? Wow. I, so I how fast it can move. My pipeline career has always brought me around the cities, like, and I I don't like that, like. <laughs> Because I don't like the cities. Like, Even I think the cities will just rub off on them. No, not rub off on me. I, I don't think that at all. I just, I don't like the traffic. I don't, I'm not into that lifestyle at all. Like the, the nine to five go to work every day like a, uh, you know, like a damn drone and, and just that zombie lifestyle. I feel like 80% of the people that live down there oh, yeah. are living a zombie lifestyle. And just you, a zombie lifestyle. Yeah. They're like ants. They march to the same spot every day and then home yeah. and there and home and there and home. You got to have a little bit of of diversity in your life. Yeah. So anyways, what one thing that blew my mind a little bit is I drove through the cities. I got on the 494 and I took 35W down to Owatonna. And um, is it Bloomington? Yep. Literally has high-rise buildings. Yeah, Bloomington was potentially going to be the third, like they were going to make Minneapolis, St. Paul, Bloomington, like the tri-cities because Bloomington is such a booming population. It used to have the uh, Met Center, like where the North Stars yeah. played was in Bloomington. The airport is down by Bloomington. Mall of America is in Bloomington. Dude, so like they there's were, high-rise buildings there. It's, yeah. it's the real deal. Like, yeah. And, and it actually looks, it's actually... The 8500 building. My sister worked in the 8500 building right on Normandale Lake in Bloomington. So an out-of-towner like myself that's from rural Minnesota, it actually looks really nice. Yeah, it is. There's, I mean, there's both. There's nice parts and, and shitty parts of Bloomington, too. But uh, Well, they make I mean, it look nice. I mean, that yeah, it's literally like a nice downtown. It's right by Edina, too, and Edina has some nice areas right next to there, some outdoor yeah. ponds and... You can skate on in the winter, and they're all lit up, and it it's a cool little area. And, yeah, it is. I think it is one of the safest suburbs probably and the nicest suburbs. That's where I lived before I moved to uh, Rozo here. And as a first grader, I was a Bloomington Jefferson Jaguar as a might hockey really? player. Yeah. It's funny as a, um, as a rural Minnesotan and a conservative that votes red typically <laughs> – Sometimes you feel like you're going into the cities, and it's like, well, I'm going into enemy territory. Oh, you know, man, see, and I used to get back there, and I would be, like, punching the steering wheel, like, yes, I'm back, baby. <laughs> oh, I was up north for a week. I can't believe I'm finally Behind back. enemy lines. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I feel, shouldn't I can think like that. I again. Even, I shouldn't even repeat that, actually, because <laughs> that's what we're not trying to promote Into here the is, enemy territory. Well, no, it, we're not trying to promote that. We're actually we're promoting unity on this uh this little t- radio show but uh well yeah you both you have your ideas and yeah when i was a, quite a bit more even liberal than i am now in, in college i'd come back up here and i'm like oh man now i gotta just deal with everybody judging me and asking me about what's going on and how's college hear their and opinions worry, yeah hear their opinions on my life and i'm like oh shit so this sucks i'm just ready to get back to the city where <laughs> where i can just live without worrying about and it's weird because up here you can you can kind of disappear if you're like in the <laughs> live in the country or something. You don't have to be a part of the drama. No, I don't at in all. In the cities you disappear right in the middle of it. Like you there's just so many people that you don't you don't have to run into anybody if you don't want to or you don't very often see the same people all the time until you've been there and built some relationships. It's weird. And, if you, and then the city will actually end up seeming small. If you, if you live in a rural area, it's kind of weird. If, I feel like your network could potentially be bigger in a rural area. 
I don't know. I feel like after about six years in Minneapolis, I had networked that city, you know, like I knew all the roads. I could drive anywhere. I had friends that worked at these bars or this clubs or, you know, you could always go somewhere where I knew somebody or could get in for free or. So, so in the, in the life of a, I'd say a, a more progressive person, yep. would you say that? So you consider yourself still progressive, correct? Oh, yeah. I hope so. I don't think... I think everybody should be progressive. I don't think we should ever stop progress. Well, I'll, I'll say it not progressive. Like, a, yeah, you're not liberal. a Democrat either, though. And you're not a liberal. I don't know what I am. You can call me whatever Dude, you want. I just say I'm liberal. I, I think I'm pretty liberal in uh, a lot of my decisions and a lot of my thoughts. Like, mushrooms should be legal. That seems like a pretty liberal... but... I mean, that's also that's very libertarian of you to think that though too. I have no idea what it is, but it's just my thoughts. That's not liberal. You know what is it? You're the original libertarian, dude. Okay. Actually, what make, year does that from? You need to 1942? make a shirt. You need to make a shirt with your face on there that the says original, the original libertarian. The OG libertarian. <laughs> I don't even know what libertarian means. That's like a sidewind of uh, Democrat. You know, it's actually the, the difference. Isn't aren't Democrats liberal? No. Um, so, okay. I'll, I'll just break this down quick. So you got a Democrat They're, You know, they're I the guess, closest liberal to a Republican. The closest. I would say it, but flaw. okay. So then you've got what's called a, a progressive Democrat or a, or a, or a, you know, that, that would be more for pretty much a socialist kind of a socialist slash very progressive, but then you've got what's called the libertarian, which is also a Democrat. Um, they all way. fall under the Democrat. Right? They all fall under the blue side. Yeah. So, but libertarians are actually, that's where the term liberal came from. So or, a liberal is supposed to be the same thing as a libertarian, but they've branched off into this oblivion of public everything. And you are not for that. You're actually... A libertarian. I, I, I'm for definitely for a lot more public works and, yeah, but you and, also and like, taxes to go to fund public, anything public that's helping out the majority of the people. But I would yeah, say you tend to lean more towards libertarian because you are about personal freedoms and rights too. Yeah, absolutely. That, and that's what the where the libertarian differentiates between liberals and libertarianism is liber, libertarians are for constitutional rights and. You are, I, I feel like you, based off your opinions in the past, you are for personal rights, you know? I'm, yeah, but also your personal rights, I'm not for your personal rights ruling over everything. Like at some point, just like eminent domain or, or they take your land because, hey, for the greater good, we need to run this pipeline through here or we need to put right, this up. But, like at some point, your rights don't, don't outweigh everybody else's everybody else's well-being so and that's what that's the whole intricacy of our and, legal system yeah and it goes all the way up and all the way we down can talk and about it all day spider long. webs all the way through those ideas but yeah, i don't think anybody should not be progressive i think of myself as progressive but i have to also be realistic because i i know everything isn't going to change in the blink of an eye but if everybody changes just a little bit here and there throughout their daily lives i mean it will change you know yep the world will change and so we have to keep progressing everybody everybody should do that i get really frustrated when people want to be the exact same as their parents who were the exact same as their grandparents who i i don't i don't know why people do that why they don't realize that 
eventually that your parents are 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 probably not right you know you get to an age where you're like damn my everything my parents told me isn't probably correct they were probably opinions that they didn't know i think the problem is as historians you know history is important um so i've always i heard somebody say i don't know a while ago in my life i don't know if i heard it in the marine corps or what but it's kind of hard to know where you're going if you don't know where you're coming from. So it's important yeah. not to, it's important, it's, it's okay to be progressive, but it's important to remember too why we're going the direction we're going in this country um, and why we, there's certain reasons why we've gone the direction we've gone, whether it's a positive direction or a not so positive direction. And That's I think, an opinion, but I mean, I think majority would say we're progressing in the right way, but... Um, no, we're no, no. Pro- we're progressing, but yeah. There's different little, I would say there's different little splinters of directions we're going in certain areas, you know, and that's, I'm going to roll right into the next subject because I did listen to that podcast you talked about with the tariffs. That's oh, another tariffs, splinter uh, of uh, NPR. Yeah, yeah, that's a, NPR podcast yeah, so about trade, planet money. Yeah. So trade is a splinter of, of a direction that this country's going. And um, I listened to the podcast and there's a lot of misinformation there. Um, I can't believe, honestly, I was actually a little bit disappointed in NPR that they're advocating for that. Um, I listened to the whole podcast well, on the Well, it's tariffs. like a 26-minute podcast. And so they say, we're going to give you 250 years of information in 26 minutes. So I'd imagine they have to pick a few little snippets. And yep. I, don't, I don't know exactly what well, you thought was misinformation. I kind of feel but. like they were... I kind of feel like they, that that's, that podcast was set out to be uh, well, against, just, the ta- just, against the tariffs that Donald Trump put on yeah, China. I'll, and I'll just I'll just break it down. So the for the listeners out there, this 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 podcast was about um, tariffs. Essentially, it wasn't really aimed at the Trump administration's tariff policies or anything like that. I think they were trying to switch. And it's it I, the only reason why I think was the podcast from two thousand eighteen. Yeah, I think it was from 2018. And so it was right was around the time that Trump was slamming tariffs on China. Um, and if you do some research on tariffs, they're not a good thing no matter what. So they're right in a way. Like they pretty much said, hey, tariffs don't really do anything but cost the U.S. So if the U.S. puts tariffs, tariffs on, it essentially hurts our economy. Um, what I Tariffs are a pretty freaking controversial thing. Yeah, I mean, they're putting tariffs... I didn't totally understand tariffs. I mean, I had to do a little bit of research, but this podcast opened my eyes up a little bit. It talked about, like, I think it was in 1930, there was the first original ones were, like, a couple uh, senators, Smoot and Hawley, um, they wanted to push for the first tariffs, and, and they did it for, like, wool at that time and something yep. else. It and was then, wool and, uh, and something stupid, like... Uh, and, when, and, and, when, and when everybody saw that they were passing tariffs for wool and whatever, they all said, well, we want to be protected, too. We want to be protected, too. We want our product protected. And so they said they put, like, 800 or 8,000 different tariffs out at that time, and it was, like, even as far as putting tariffs on the sale of goldfish so yeah so and, and, and i and it ended up hurting hurting I, on NPR's, many industries on npr's opinion there i agree with them on that specific case was that's not what tariffs are for they're not 100 percent for protectionism that's what they call it you know it's when you're trying to protect your market share right 
So it does the exact yeah, opposite. Protectionism. Though. It does the exact opposite because it actually tears down your market share. So essentially, if once you put a tariff on a country for, say, uh, uh, say we're importing pork from China and we put a tariff on them, well, the next thing you know is there's retaliatory. Um, yeah. Next thing you know, there's retali- So it's, essentially, it's a mini trade war. And then it can escalate just like Trump did into a major trade war. Like all of a sudden, we're not going to help you out. So everybody says, well, we're but not we're not selling our stuff to you then. Tariffs, in my opinion, should not be used as protectionism because all they do is they... So in that sense, NPR was right. But in another sense, you they need... Protectionism is like... Or protectionism is like... Protectionism. Protecting, protecting our economy. And market share. Yeah. Oh. So... But it does the exact opposite. So I will agree with NPR not, but they don't go into the full story of tariffs. So when you take a country like China, China's been through the ringer. They've been around for thousands of years. Okay, mm-hmm. if you ever get a chance, you know, do some reading on China and try to watch some YouTube videos about the history of China. And you know, did you know that you know? So number number one, China's a threat to our country, both both in uh, secu- national security and and trade right now because i tell you a little give you a little backstory on china is in world war ii i mean in the ni- 1930s japan which i don't know what the fuck they were thinking but they actually invaded china okay and they killed millions and millions of people they killed innocent civilians i don't know what the hell they were doing they had a psychotic freaking leader that and they Ch- the japanese people are very very uh i don't know what you call loyal it, loyal loyal they're loyal, you know. Yeah, so their leader told them to do it. Yeah, and so they're they're sacrificial. I mean, so I guess what I'm saying is, you know, now essentially we're best friends with Japan. We are. They're our number one ally in the world. Hmm. Then they're a powerful country. Believe it or not, they're a small country. So essentially what it comes down to is China hates the fact that we are basically holding hands with Japan in both a security sense. They do not like us. So they are going to actively come after our... Um, Government. Well, our technology, our money, our, technology. our money, and they're going to, on the front side, they're going to say, we want to trade with the U.S. We want to, they're, they're, they're almost like a freaking snake in the grass. <laughs> you think they're going to, they want to trade with us and then they want to steal all our information. And I'm not saying this because I'm a, I'm I mean, a national- there must be plenty of things that we could take from China. They produce things much cheaper than the United States. Uh, uh, I mean, we have to hold a hard bargain with China because those tariffs are important. And they, you know who they hurt the most was farmers. They hurt us. They killed us. Why? Because our prices, because we put tariffs on... Corn and... And China was our number one buyer of soybeans and corn and, and, and so, grains, right? So as a farmer now, you're relying on China and you're loving China. And so now no, you're mad. No. So what happened was, you know, farmers are, are, are smart enough to say, hey, we're willing <laughs> to make the sacrifice for, for, you, for a few years. <clears throat> Right? Oh, no, sorry. I was thinking about farmers are smarter, but yeah. Wow. Okay. So, anyway. <laughs> We're willing to make the sacrifice for a few years on the price of your commodity? On the price of our commodity, farmers are, are businessmen as well. And they're like, okay, if you if this is what it takes to get China to straighten up and quit raking us over the coals, you know what a trade deficit is, right? Uh, no. So, a trade deficit is, um, say you got... Uh, I'll just, I'm not going to write it on paper because then our listeners won't know. But, um, you know, essentially China's taken, China's sending over, for every five we send over, China's sending 15. So their their GDP is much higher than ours. Okay. Okay. So we had like a freaking 50% trade deficit with 
Like with, they've, with they've shared more with us than than we have with them. Yeah, and it, it and makes it, a trade deficit, and it results but. in more GDP, which is gross domestic product export, to China. So what happens is China's raking in the dough off of us, and they're not allowing us to trade more. So we're trying to send stuff over there. But they're not agreeing to buy more. So we could regulate them, not, right, just the same way they're doing to us. But then you're saying it turns into an ego thing. Who stops more and who gets more? And Well, they got, know, they got to get their investors. Everybody wants to They get, got to get their private sector to, to commit to that. Everybody so it, wants to be the one that's making the little bit more in the deal. Well, it wasn't just a little bit more. It was like billions and billions of dollars they were making. So what Trump wanted to do, and this is one of could the... Could they put that towards some of our debt we owe them? We, we don't owe them anything. Oh, I thought we were in like... When, you, when, when I say trade deficit, it doesn't mean we owe them money. Yeah, but I thought we do. I thought we've been bailed out we by don't like owe companies. Shit. Oh, yeah. No, we don't. Oh, okay. So... I don't know. I well, just, dude, we're a sovereign nation. Yeah, but we've borrowed comp- money from all over, like Europe, China. Have we not? I, I don't think that's how it works. Uh, when I say... I, I'm talking strictly on trade here, though, dude. Okay. So when we're, I used to think that trade deficit was that we owed them money or product or something something like a physical thing trade deficit is just the ratio of their product versus our product mm-hmm. that's what we call a trade deficit and so what trump didn't like was that they were not only were did we have a huge trade deficit to them but it was also that uh intellectual property that they were stealing and when i say they were stealing it they were literally stealing intellectual property now you can research this and i want you to research it is there's, there's Democrats that are 100% for what Trump did. A lot of them. Mm-hmm. That's why Biden will not undo that what he's done. And I just listened to a podcast that was pro-Democrat, pro-Biden last night. They're, they're speculating that Biden will not touch his trade policy because <laughs> they agree with it. <laughs> because he was tough on them. Yeah. And what he did with China, I'm not... Don't, don't get me wrong. But I, didn't, didn't what he did to China, don't these tariffs, aren't they ending up costing us more money but you're saying we're willing to sacrifice the money if it if in the long run yeah because now china shakes their head and is like okay okay so we went through a tough time just specifically as farmers when he first did it it was like oh my god like our soybeans dropped by 30 percent, and they were already low to begin with (laughs) you know and um so but now just recently china so what he did was he he held these tariffs china essentially cut their exports down to the u.s by like 40 percent mm-hmm. right or 50 percent or whatever their economy pretty much took a shit and when i say economy i'm talking their markets i don't know what they were doing on the ground actually what they're but so what happened was china was we would negotiate about every four months three months we'd send in that lighthizer uh he's the he'd be like the trade secretary of trade or whatever yep He'd go in and he would he would negotiate how to end this tariff situation. Well, they got them to commit to like buco amounts of agricultural products over the next five years, more than they've ever done. What they're going to buy from the United States? Yes. So essentially, what the tariffs did is they they bought we bought ourselves a seat to negotiate better deals, but it takes commitment and sacrifice, and that's. That's something to be said about that because... So to get ahead of the problem, it takes a little bit more sacrifice it here does. for a couple of years. It does. It was a, it was like three years of low shitty prices and, and a lot of farmers got really hurt by it, which they did a handout. They did a, um, 
what was it called? It was a China tax incentive, the China virus money. That no, Donald no, it Trump's wasn't going to give you. It wasn't China virus. It was uh, what was it called the uh, trade trade. It was called the um, China trade retaliation um, <laughs> assistance. China so, trade so reali- every, retaliation yeah, so, assistance. So forever, something like that. So that's every, what the tweet so for, said. Uh, so. God. So for every, so uh, I, I want to flip that into many industries, you know, where people are scared of it's going to cost a little bit in the, even in the beginning, but in the long run, it's going to help in the long run. If we grind through this for a few years, it's going to help, you know, that's what tariffs are about. Um, nobody's willing nowadays to literally be willing to I hate to say it I shouldn't even say nobody's willing to fucking die for anything what do you mean they're willing to put I their wouldn't. life on the line for their business for their country nobody's willing to do anything it seems like nowadays they just want this safe secure little fucking realm that they want to live in I'm not like that I mean I, I know love, you're not gonna die I for love, peace I love my business <laughs> I love doing this but yeah I'm not gonna die for it I didn't put my whole life into this like <laughs> I mean, I put no, a lot dude. of work into it. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is, dude, you, you... I can start another business if I had to or go to work somewhere else before I'm like, shit, I'm no, I'll saying, die for dude, these if, t-shirts. Dude, if you're truly passionate about something, though, like I am. Yeah. You know, like farming. I will yeah, fucking it's, it's farm li- until my arms fall off. Yeah, but you wouldn't even not wear your mask in a fucking airport, you know? I did. Like, I wore my mask. Dude. That's what I mean. The principle of it, like... You th- you say now like I'm willing to die for this, but then when it comes down to it, you're like, oh shit, you know. I guess, I guess I probably wouldn't just die for my principles because I can give up a little bit of principle now, and hopefully I can figure it out a little more in the future. And I, and I still yeah. want to see my family instead of show my kids that you I'm live on like- principle and and don't fucking flex one bit if you live on your principles. You can't flex. You can't bend. No, and, I, I and know. So, I know. It's that mask thing is tricky though. Because I mean, that's just I, a I, small. I know. I was tiny example. You want, you want of, me to you know, be honest with you? Of of. So let me tell you something. The herd something mentality. That, you know, it's easy when everybody else is let, doing it. But let me tell you something in the life of Levi. Levi here. Okay. Kay. So, I went down there, and to be honest with you, I was feeling a little stuffy, like kind of like. Congested. Yeah, you thought you potentially might have something. <laughs> So I brought a mask with me, right? Because yeah. I'm like, well, goddamn, I better put it, bring a mask. And it was my conscious and my natural instinct of essentially, it, it, it didn't take like, it's not like I said, it's not like I went on the Minnesota state government and went, what to do when I'm feeling a little stuffy? Walls, I need some direction here. Yeah. Like, should I wear a Like, no, I said, you know what? I'm going to wear, I'm going to bring a yeah, mask but- with before this pandemic nobody that never even crossed my mind we laughed at you know you'd see pictures of people in china even during sars and whatever wearing masks and us as americans were like look at these idiots you know well yeah so if you had a cold before my whole life i never was like i better wear a mask never once did i for a cold or anything be like i'm gonna wear a mask to protect other people from my cold you'd be like at the bar like sniffling and coughing and oh man i remember when i was drinking and people didn't even care they're just like i probably won't get it you know won't it's not a big deal. I remember when so, I was drinking when I was younger, I'd be... There was times I was so fucking sick, like like sinus infections. Yeah. I used to get them a lot when I was drinking a lot. Yeah. Like when I was younger. Like, you're neglecting your body. You're not yeah. drinking water. Oh, you're my God, You're staying up. You're not sleeping. I would get sinus infections, and I would go to the bar, 
like with my buddies in Fargo. I spent quite, not not as much time as you did in the cities, but like Fargo <laughs> was my my hangout. You yeah. know, like more for Fargo Moorhead. Yep. And <laughs> fucking. Yeah, I'd be so I'd be you. just like <laughs> in the bar, like like yeah. like just like give me another shot, yeah, dude, and like let's drink this shit away. I'll drink through it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. for real. I, I won't feel it till the morning. Then it's gonna <laughs> fucking hurt. But oh, headaches. I'm gonna drink tonight. Sinus headaches on a hangover. Ah, oh, what an enjoyable time. <laughs> <laughs> you don't miss the hangovers. <laughs> I was listening to a comedian last night on the way home, and. uh he was talking about that. I, I didn't even think about this until the, I can remember the guy's name even, but he he was like, yeah, I go to the bar with my buddies and you know we were younger and you know we'd get be all drunk, you know, hammered, drunk, and he goes the end of the night it'd be like one o'clock, last call, and for some reason somebody would order shots of Jägermeister, you know, mm, last like, one is gig bomb at the that? end. Yes. I'm sure you guys did that too. It'd be like, we did why lots, would you do that? So then you wake up in the morning and you literally feel like you could potentially either have cancer, <laughs> something, <laughs> or or you're gonna literally fucking die. Like like you have to take a knee. Yeah. <laughs> well, we were good. We were like at the end of uh, when it, when the bar was closed and the, it was the last shot or whatever. That was like the beginning of our night. <laughs> oh, not for me, us dude. at that I'd time. So I mean, I think I. Oh, man, I read in my journal the other day a little bit. I used to write in a journal. I think I wrote like six pages in my whole life, but I found it, and I read the one, and it said, I just woke up to catch, you know, about a half an hour of sunlight before the sun went down again, and here we go again. And, yeah, that was was, was a crazy lifestyle. Yeah, stay up pretty much till the sun's coming up, and then go to bed. (laughs) And sleep till like 4 o'clock. Sleep till like 4 o'clock. Yeah, four in the afternoon, six in the afternoon, and then, yeah, do it again, and do it again. Did you guys ever shower? Do it again, and do it again, absolutely. I had a shower. <laughs> Did you ever shower? We weren't, like, it reminds uh, me of, like, a freaking, just a, I don't I mean, know. Like, a, what do they call it, grunge back in the day? Yeah. Kind of a grunge lifestyle. Yeah, for sure, and there was plenty of people like that, but we still wanted to go out to the bars and, uh, you know, impress girls and look, look good and look at the ladies and buddies would wear, I remember wearing them wearing like Neil Diamond, like silky shirts, just joking, but going to the bar. Yeah, it was a lot, it was a lot of fun, but it was a totally different lifestyle. Now I, now I love to see the sunrise and, and mean, and be waking up to the sunrise, not still awake from the night before yeah, and that's catching cool. the sunrise. I, I don't so much this time of year right now, it's kind of gray for me. I kind of struggle think, bus a little bit. Yeah, it, it does a lot. There's like the seasonal depression yeah. people get and usually it doesn't kick into like January, but yeah, I mean, we, I get it this time of year for some reason. Well, we just have so little light during the day that like, especially if for someone that goes to work inside, you go to work in the morning and it's dark and you get out at night and it's dark. So that kind of sucks. It I think makes, your body has to adjust to it, but I, the summertime, man, I feel so good in the summer. Like since I don't drink or nothing, you know? I, I I do like waking up early and, and you know, five o'clock and listen to the birds and stuff. Oh, so much. When you can wear, just wear just regular, you know, there's, it's not like fucking 10 degrees out and wind blowing, mm-hmm. you know, you're just out there. It's so enjoyable. It's, I appreciate it so much. I, you know, I, it, it's, that's what I live for, man. I love the winter too, though. I mean, it's I pretty too. up here given I don't like the early darkness, but like, you know, I go home and I make a fire in my wood stove in my bar and. I love to smell some pine, and I looked at the stars the other night, just standing out back, and it's bright across the 
It's bright because it is the bright moon right was now, bright and it reflects off the snow and the stars were out and you smell the wood stove and it's like, man, this is northern Minnesota. I love this smell. Yeah. And it and and the wood stove really makes it. And I the don't ambience. even yeah, I don't even really I hang out in my little deta- in my little bar for a little bit each night and make a fire and it's not even really to keep anybody warm or anything. It's just to see that smoke rolling Therapy. out of the chimney. Yep. It's therapeutic. Yep. See that smoke rolling out of the chimney nice and slow and blowing through the pine trees. And it's like, yes, so, this is awesome. I'm so, yeah, I'm much happier in the place I am now. But, you know, those those long nights <laughs> pushed me here, I guess, yeah. in some in some weird skewed way. <laughs> well, you lived through it. You lived through it. And so what else are we covering here? You know, did Wendell Potter, and that was one of the big things. Wendell Potter and the and the FUD campaigns, and and just to hear somebody, I wanted to bring that up to people. You know, just how easy it is to to turn people into sheep, and that you know, if you run these campaigns, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and they can pump with a few million dollars, pump it into every commercial you read, and onto your social media, and. And people just go and spew these, that, that's these all, skewed you know, facts honestly, back out. And, and that's what then, – then it literally just cycles and gets bigger and snowballs into our economy and all the news. And it's like, I don't know. You should never be – and then people just make opinions on it and pump their opinions back to their other friends that so, – I don't know. Do research. And so, so I just – one other thing I'd like to debate with that is – I agree with you 100% on what that is. I'm not arguing. I'm not going to debate the fact that he did it. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sure it was. I'm sure it's true because I don't doubt it. Now, the way. You notice that I threw out the COVID thing while you were talking about that, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying the COVID isn't got overplayed. I mean, I think people would understand that we the, still have a virus without every news station. And I don't know how much of it is accurate. Also, I wonder this, like, so with the COVID cases and people say you can't believe how many cases there are because hospitals are lying about it and, you know, they we get don't know $38,000 the for a COVID patient versus, you know, nothing or minimal dollars for somebody that dies from something else or has something else. So in a universal health care, would that happen where you, you know, where the hospitals are trying to lie to get more money or that wouldn't be a thing because there's they're not, I never thought they're not yeah, they're gonna lie from, like cook their books yeah in a cook, sense cook their books so the government yeah i mean they're like paying themselves at that point and just cycling it around so that's just I taxpayer money fuck it yeah i mean i don't think that i feel like it wouldn't happen like or do you think it would happen even more they'd be like oh, oh dude, i don't know geez, man we got i found out the other day that like like with this COVID stuff, if the nurses are working on COVID-related patients, they their their pay is, their so say you make have a nurse that makes forty bucks an hour, this nurse is he or she is now making fifty dollars an acre while they're acre an acre you farming okay, <laughs> fifty dollars an hour yeah working on COVID patients and the hospital's making a hundred dollars an hour. That's so all this funding yeah it's just maybe our healthcare system was just struggling and so they're like hey the next decent looking virus we're just gonna try to get some more money back into these hospitals and I, revamp I them back up i wouldn't push it that far but i think this virus was i think this virus is a natural virus there's people that think that china made it to attack the world How i think i'm gonna look into the original company 
where it was released from, which I haven't, but I've heard that these companies were doing research in the United States first. There they was modifying the, viruses. There, I don't know exactly what they were working on, but they were United States companies based here, and some sort of restriction came down a few years ago where they weren't able to do it anymore. So the United, U.S. technology was transferred over to these companies in China where it could still be developed. And that is one of the corporations that ended up releasing the China virus. And it's I, like, I hey, this is this was something that was really based here and pushed to China. And now we're trying to blame it all on China, but really our own doctors were part of it. Now, can we accept? I, here's what I can accept. You know, here, here, this isn't my theory, but this is uh, this is a case. Th- this is a situation that I could accept. Let's start from the beginning. I can accept. I I can be- I could believe that this virus is natural. Yep. I could believe that this virus spread maybe started in China. I think there's a stigma that goes with that for China, and they don't want to admit it. Mm-hmm. That possibly their conditions over there allowed for. They could have just been the first ones that actually realized what it was because i mean right. you would imagine it was here before we didn't yeah, know about dude. it i mean so, it was here it was all over the place yeah. so so i can believe china didn't catch the first case and be like uh put them on a plane to the united states <laughs> let's do it so, so you know? i can believe that this is a natural virus i can believe that it's spread naturally through the way that viruses spread they've been around for billions of years and i can also believe that this virus could have potentially been around in this country or in the world for the last 30 years. I can, there's a lot of stuff. There's some, a, there's a lot some of, form of it or there's something of, real close. There's or, a lot of probabilities, but I also don't doubt that there's certain political parties, there's certain medical organizations, there's certain oh. news channels that have capitalized. Oh, so much. I mean, yeah, absolutely. No, and I'm, we'll keep capitalizing. No, I'd, I'd like to kind of parallel a veteran with a healthcare worker. Yep. You've given a sacrifice for something bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. The only difference is between a healthcare worker and a veteran is a veteran usually, if you actually have to go in and do your job as a, as a, as a Marine or a, a soldier or a Navy SEAL or a Navy whatever, your chances of dying are like 50%. Mm-hmm. Okay. As a nurse during the COVID-19 pandemic, your chances of dying from that disease are slim to none. Okay, yep. I'm not downplaying that though. There is still a chance that you could, your family could be affected. You're you're under stress. You're having to wear extra PPE. It's bullshit. You know, yeah. it's 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 a tough job. Yeah, there's job a lot right of other now. things that go with that. No, what I'm saying though is, <clears throat> some of these healthcare workers want extra gratitude right now. I'm not going to give them any extra gratitude, but what I will give them is, oh geez, no, what I will give them is is respect. The high respect and high regard for what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pay them extra money or, well, you know, I'll, you give, might, them, you I'll give them respect. But down the road, but down the road, when they, when they're considered veterans of this pandemic, I'm going to, re- you know, I have, they have all my respect in the world. They get up every morning and do their jobs. Um, I think they're very important. But also, there's a lot of other people that save your life from on a day-to-day basis too. Cops. Um, yeah, that badge number you were talking about at the yeah, beginning of the episode. Yeah. You know, do you know this badge number? Pulling yeah, people she, over, she's but, important too. You know. Okay, we're d- up to it's a female, but yeah. <laughs> um, he yeah, or she, she. I mean, hey, is it okay if uh, I use a she? 
When you're speaking in generalities, you can use a she or a he, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't so, know. so but what no. I'm, so I'm going to tell you that I'm that not, officer has caused me to wear my seatbelt now. I do wear my seatbelt. Probably now. could potentially save your life potentially when you run into the back of a scraper. Yeah, absolutely. Tractor. When I run into a tractor with no freaking lights on, going down the yeah. highway. So those people, these people are important, and and um. God, if if we could had to pat everybody on the back that was important, we'd spend a lot of time patting people on the back. So yeah, it feels good to pat people on the back, but not when they ask to get patted on the back. Yeah. So yeah, that's like anything. Once you're expected, once it's expected of you, it's not as nice to do. You want people to do their jobs and just do their jobs and do their jobs. And you know what? We're gonna feel grateful to you. And yeah. And their pocketbook will reflect it too. But, but yeah, if you're on social right media, yeah, I mean, yeah, people want to know right now, like, hey, I did something good today. Can you tell me? Can you tell me I was good today? And that's in all sorts of things. And You're right. You're right. Social media wrecks people. And so, so, social media wrecks people. Makes little clicks and agreements here and arguments here. And yeah, I mean, Dude, I, appreciate our health, I appreciate our healthcare workers and whatever, but I, and I'll tell them that absolutely. If I go up there, when I go for my checkup next week and yeah. I'll tell them thanks for yeah thanks for I would, dude podcast and that's what I like for about, the extra uh, lube you dude podcast kind of <laughs> replaced my my social media addiction I'll say yeah it should you can get some of your uh, get get your bitching out today well not only that is listening to other podcasts I listen to a podcast that I don't agree with yeah that's that's what people people should do I got a couple things I wrote down here. Like, I want people to examine your own reactions with curiosity. You know, why do I believe this? Don't give up and don't give up in an argument and just say because that that's the correct thing, and that's the only way anybody in the right mind should think. You know, it's like, hey, maybe try to see the other side of the coin a little bit. Listen to, like you said, a podcast with something that you don't totally agree with because if you keep listening to the same stuff, I mean, it's just going to confirm your biases and and it makes you think that they're always Dude, it does correct. Make... I mean, you should you should never be so uninformed that your opinions and beliefs reply or rely like uh, totally on your faith or morality. I mean, learn the other side of the coin. You never want to stop learning. Yeah, you should never. You should never want to stop learning, and, and, and just because it's not the opinion or the thoughts that you're used to, um, realize that they still might make sense. Once you dig into it a little bit, you might change your mind, and that could be a great thing. And you shouldn't be scared that it is that it is going to change your beliefs. If you're scared it's going to change your beliefs to read something else, maybe your beliefs need to be changed. Maybe they aren't that firm. I mean, you must be looking for a little bit of a reason in the first place that, hey, I've said I believe this all the time, but I, I'm gonna just wander out a little bit and see what else. Uh, yeah, it's fun. It's fun to let there. your mind wander. Yeah, it is. So, you know, I mean that that's really like the moral of the story for all these podcasts. Never, never be so arrogant or so stuck in your ways that you that you want to quit learning. Or it goes back to me saying that like that's how my dad was and that's how my grandpa was, and it's like, yeah, well. You know, we're supposed to learn and progress, so you shouldn't try to stick two generations back in your mindset. Yeah. You know? One other thing, too, is when people... Do we need, I, I was listening to a podcast not that long ago, and it was about... I think we had talked about it a while back, and this kind of goes along with trying... I was listening to a podcast. It was kind of boring at yep. first. Yeah. They were talking about ergots, and we talked about that. Mm-hmm. 
and it really, really, I the most boring thing they were talking about. Like, I'm talking like back in biblical days. They're they're tracing a lot of these. They were really getting into the actual physical evidence that of intoxication on yep. certain hallucinogens during biblical times. All the way that back. Potentially, yep. the Bible was written. They're trying to basically correlate the Bible with some psychedelic drugs, psychedelic drugs, yep. stuff like that. Okay, without really trying to majorly change the faith of Christian Christianity because they feel like I feel like a lot of those historians I'm kind of getting off on a tangent here but I feel like a lot of those historians don't want to take away from the Christian faith because they actually believe it mm -hmm. but they're thinking that it's mixed in with some hallucinogens and other ways to connect with the spiritual world yeah that's that was on a Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah, I don't think it's that so, crazy to I, I don't think it's that crazy to think of that uh, you know psychedelics are used because I think that as I said mushrooms should be could be legal should so, be legal because they're really a healing thing they're a spiritual thing they're not a party drug where you're doing like doing cocaine and running around like they're like weird deep thought so I mean you could potentially back in the day yeah and you don't know they're like eating plants at that yeah, point yeah, dude. Fungus, and, the fungus and not or like anything still finding out like you eat it first and that guy tips over and they're like <laughs> oh shit yeah and we shouldn't eat that bush you know so like 10 years ago <laughs> so there had to be times when they ate something they're like whoa i had a spiritual revelation i saw god so you like know? yeah like 10 years ago i would have never um and before this podcast and just the, the rat race of social media when it was really hyped up 10 years ago, I'd say it was worse than it is now even, um, as far as the amount of, that people, people were taking media, in. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, my, my, my point is, or I guess the example would have been, I took the time and had tried to use, even though it was boring out the gate and it seemed to me like it was irrelevant with yeah. my life, yeah. it actually turned out to be a freaking three like a three hour long gig interesting and it, it was inter interesting and i was just like oh my god is this real yeah something you never like, thought I was just about like, before holy like, shit they're like yeah we found ergots and trace trace ergots and this and this and this and this major piece of christian or just you know roman ergot er, ergot or ergot root is like a, a root from a uh, from a tree a in the amazon no it's a root oh it's, the there's many different ergots okay ergots, okay so we have actually in the grasses we grow up here in the ryegrass, we actually have major, major amounts of irrigates hmm. that are fungus that will be just. But the problem is, is irrigates are kind of like um, they're unpredictable. They can't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, I don't know. I, I don't know. I didn't no, so realize irrigates like, were in everything. I yeah. Mean, so they're like in a lot of grass seeds, thought, grass plants. Okay, I thought it was. Uh, well, I think they're in a lot of things, but yeah. So this specific root I'm talking about from the Amazon is probably where they're like the most potent like and the easiest you that's your best chance to get this certain tree root or whatever to extract them if you're using them for psychedelic purposes yeah they might be in everything but yeah more potent in something so you know you'd have to take a lot of ryegrass to get the same amount as this certain yeah, or, tree and or it's just unpredictable like you can't like what well, you might eat some irrigates. Like you and I might be sitting out in the field, and you'd be like, "Hey, dude, let's try this. Let's well, eat so much ryegrass." You yeah. think the cows would be tripping out or something? You know. Well, that's what eats. happened. Was so they think that the, they think that the, Salem witch hunts. Yep. Is tied to irrigate poisoning. Because people just tripping out in the woods, running around. Yes, dude. Honest to God, listen. I mean, to the that, is that the Blair it. Witch Project? No, I watched. The it, no, Salem I watched a YouTube hunts. video about it. I it, think the Salem witch hunts was probably this uh, FUD campaign of your no, uncertainty dude. and doubt, like no, keeping dude. women down. So they literally have tied 
the weather. There's certain weather that cause higher irrigates in in uh, rye, in winter rye. Back then, they all grew winter rye for their bread. Yep. So they think that weather patterns change the plant. Weather patterns a bit. change the plant to grow this fungus. Yeah. And there's literally physical evidence that shows that they were fucked up on irrigates when they were doing the, all that Salem witch shit. And when it ended is when the weather patterns got normal again. Hmm. I'd, look it I, up. We'll have to look into that. We might we might chat more about that on the next podcast. Yeah. I'm going to look into that because I'm going to say it was men just trying to keep the women down in society, but maybe the air gets. Try look into it, dude. It's actually, you'll be really interested in it. All right. We're going to okay, so, look into some air gets and, you know, maybe we'll talk some more narcotics next week. It might be fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> might be so fun can to we, dig into. So, so are we going to wrap things up here? What yeah. do you want to do? Okay. So what do we got cooking here? Let's just talk about... What what we got going on? Um, what do we got going on? Snowmobile racing's coming up. Snowmobile racing is potentially coming up. We're gonna find out on December eighteenth. Um, you know what the governor's of Minnesota is gonna open back up again, and snowmobile racing is outside, and it shouldn't shouldn't really be affected. There's by, talk. There's a lot. Of, there's about fifty fifty talk that. Uh, I'm sure there's gonna be some rules put in place by whoever is putting the races together. No banquets. Yeah, no banquets and things like that. But we're still racing. Because, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you're still not rubbing. Gonna... Rubbing's racing, right? And oh, then, no, that's car racing. So, hockey's kind of a. Everything's kind balance. of at a standstill oh, um, at the moment. My I brother think... in law played last night. Yeah. Who the hell did they play? You don't even know. St. Cloud State. Levi's brother in law plays hockey at St. Yeah. Cloud State. Did they, they play? They won last night. Did they play? Uh... I saw college hockey's back on, but. Uh, yeah. I don't know if they won. I saw Nebraska Omaha play. I'll go on my NCHC and... here quick. Well, all right. We'll give St. Cloud State a. Shout out. Quick little shout out because it's kind of cool to have sports. I, I mean, given we've had football around again and whatever, but I think 2020 is going to be neat. I'm going to make some t-shirts that say 2020, the pond hockey revival. It is cool, dude. It's going to be a pond hockey revival up here in northern Minnesota. There's all kinds of people on the river out in Malung there, yeah. out on the creek. I shoveled my pond off the other day. I'm going to yeah, get out there and just, it's not very big, but you I'm going to stick it around a little bit. And, you know what's fucked up is I, I told Reese the other day in cash, my kids, I said, you know, I said, yeah, Al, Al's down there. I can say anything. He don't yeah, care anymore. Yeah, yeah, Al's yeah. down there, you know, building a rink yeah. or whatever. They're like, you can skate on the crick? And I'm like, oh, my God, dude. dude <laughs> it's not like, like, I feel like I grew up in medieval times when people <laughs> were still chopping skating, each other's heads off. Skating on the crick, yeah. I used to go skate skating on, on the, the crick behind my house because I was bored. I was, I was reading the history of the uh, Northwest Angle is... is uh, is actually the northernmost point in the contiguous 48 states, but it's in Minnesota here. It's a little notch on top of Minnesota, and and people would skate originally across the lake in the winter. They used to snowshoe it, and it's like 20-something miles back to the town on the south side of the lake because you're kind of stranded at the northwest angle. And so they talked about that. They would put skates on, and they could go twice as fast, and they'd skate across the whole lake before the snow. And stories of people falling Ooh, through cracks. That's and, a bad deal. Yeah, for real. Skating through the night because it would take like 18 hours to get across the lake. And they would, they had to do it in certain scenarios. But that was really neat to me to, to hear some of that history of northern Minnesota. And literally skating the whole way across the lake. Western Michigan, I'm sorry. They played Western Michigan. Okay. So anyways, um, one other thing about going across the lake, dude. So I heard last night that... Um, that there's a there's a guy that's gonna since the people that live up at the northwest angle yep can't drive did you hear about this no some dude's gonna build a road going across the lake for vehicles this year oh yeah nice road 
Did you hear about it? I heard they're gonna plow just yeah straight straight road right but it's across. Gonna go but why from, wouldn't it be? Then you don't have. They should have done that every single year. But they're gonna charge big money. Yeah, well they'd have to because they gotta maintain it, build ramps, and they gotta build bridge, uh, ice bridges. Yeah, probably over the cracks and whatever, and it will be like a big, freaking hundred foot wide Dude, highway. Dude, it's gonna be a big deal. Yeah, and the angle is gonna probably have influx of people. It'll be yes. awesome for it the will resorts be awesome. and the businesses up there this this I'll, winter. I'll use it. Oh. Sweet, I will too. I'll be in the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think you'll be doing back there? I'll be road boozing. sodas. <laughs> road sodas. Road sodas. <laughs> We're on the lake, Leva. Hand me one of them. Oh, I know oh, you're. Man. We got a sober driver. <laughs> no, that's a little too redneck. But no, that is ro- that is northern Minnesota. But it it's will never be patrolled been done, too. Oh, so they're gonna be state patrol out there. I would guess that the sheriffs are going to use it. Absolutely. The sheriffs are border always patrol. out there. Border patrol, everybody. But, yeah, it's going to stop because generally to get to the northwest angle, you got to go through Canada and, and check back corner. into the United States. At Jim's Corner. Yeah. Yep. Well, they got them all over now. You can do it at multiple oh, yeah. bars up there. You can check back in. But, uh, yeah, so that's pretty neat. So that's kind of our local happenings here. That's um, our local happenings. Lakes freezing. That's big news. Is it freezing? Well, I'm sure, yeah. It has to freeze before we get the ice road, baby. So, yeah. Uh, air guts and the ice road. <laughs> yeah, I know. I wanted to bring that up because it was really interesting because I I know that there's air guts in certain years up in this neck of the woods, but you ain't going to see me out there eating them because we're going to do a little research and talk talk to you more next week about air gets and what they exactly are and if they will turn your brain to mush or if they'll make you maybe a little bit more enlightened so what is it december 2nd yep we'll wrap it up for today uh everybody thanks for listening uh we'll be back with you next week be peaceful to one another